Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. 53-man roster finalized. We still got some movement, and we're going to start the campaign to bring back Duke Shelley on today's Minnesota football party. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's a Reggie Wilson Wednesday, the mailbag edition of the Minnesota Football Party. Welcome in to Locked On Sports Minnesota today. I'm Sam Ekstrom covering the Vikings here at Locked On Sports Minnesota, also part of Minnesota Sports Rankum and the Ron Johnson Show. I'm on Twitter at Sam Ekstrom, and I'm joined as I am every Wednesday by Reggie Wilson, Carol Evans, sports director and anchor at Reggie Wilson TV on Twitter, slash X, and Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman. My right-hand man, he's part of the Minnesota Football Party every single day. We have a 53-man roster that is still moving, still undergoing changes and metamorphosis. We have a new running back to announce. The Vikings have waived a wide receiver. We'll get into all of the latest Shefty bombs on Twitter. Talk about how UDFAs were the real winners of the 53-man cutdown and uh, maybe some practice squad candidates as well. We're also taking your Twitter questions. We've got some good ones coming in regarding the roster. So, so much to get to on today's show that is brought to you by FanDuel. Head to FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started today. FanDuel, make every moment more. Reggie, were you locked in on X yesterday watching the updates come in up to 3 o'clock? It was a, a thrilling, thrilling afternoon. Yeah, man, and the Vikings made us sweat a little bit. I was ready at 3 o'clock. I'm like, okay, all right, here we go. Let's go, let's go. They made us wait like 10 to 15 minutes before they put out their their roster, and I'm just like, all right, come on. I'm at the fair just sitting there just refresh, 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 refresh. Oh, shoot, here it is. <laughs> <laughs> it seems like there's no real rules about this. Like, there's, a, there's certainly a deadline to have the rosters finalized internally, but there's no deadline on getting it out externally. So I got a text from Chad Graff, who now covers the Patriots. He said he was waiting at like 5.30 for their roster. And back in the Spielman-Zimmer days, they would make us wait for hours and hours after the cutdown as well. So it it's varies quite a bit. Vikings got theirs out at about 3.30. Luke Inman, on yesterday's recording, we were getting breaking news starting to trickle in. Um, couple bombshells, though, came after that. I would say none more dramatic than... Najee Thompson being prematurely cut. It was the Miss USA pageant all over again with Steve Harvey. It was the the Oscars with Moonlight. It was the the wrong information given. He was cut. It was over, and then he was back uh, once they cleared up that mistake. That was dramatic, man. It's so dramatic, and we called it out yesterday. We said it's going to be a circus. It's going to be a whirlwind. Buckle up, but there are things like that you just can't prepare for, and especially because it's such a Viking fan favorite on Twitter, Najee Thompson. A lot of people were rooting for him. To see that just kind of back and forth, the way it unfolded, yes, certainly dramatic and something that I don't think we could have planned for, no matter how many times we went through up and down the roster. It's just one of those things, Sam, that that's just what happens when you get the Schefter bombs and then 38 other people reporting on things. Things kind of get lost in translations once in a while. Um, did you guys see the Luke Braun clip that he reshared? I did. Where re um, it's the greatest roster prognostication of all time. And I'm going to save it to play on tomorrow's show so Luke Braun can be with us and he can relish in the moment. But May 4th, 2023, Luke Braun comes on this show and says, 
Najee Thompson's making the roster and gets laughed off the stage by yours truly and Arif Hassan. Props to Luke Braun, man. He saw it all the way. Um, Reggie, could you have imagined Najee Thompson making this roster when you first went out to practice this summer? No, but then practice happened and he had a good <laughs> camp and he had a good preseason and he justified making this roster. And it's it's uh, it's incredible when you kind of think about some of the moves that they made and the things that they've done. You know, they they had Joan Williams kind of running with the ones at a lot of, you know, the early on uh, portions of practices. And then he gets waved. And now you got Najee Thompson making the team like it's it's a. It's a pretty incredible thing, and I know we're going to get into, you know, some of these uh, undrafted guys. But yeah, like they are the unsung heroes of the uh, the the cut day. <laughs> yeah, I think too. What Luke was so good about was being able to detect the fact that this guy could be a potential special teams ace. So we talk about it all the time. If you're going to end up making the roster and being one of those bottom five, six, seven, eight guys, you got to stand out on special teams. He did the digging. He actually had him on his show, Locked on Vikings, I believe, at some point in the mm -hmm. summer as well. And just his conversation with him, understanding the mindset Najee Thompson takes to the special teams field, I think really helped him out and kind of opened him up to the fact that Hey, I know it's a long shot. Nobody's heard of this guy yet, but he seems like a perfect candidate to make the team because of special teams. And sure enough, like Reggie said, then he goes out to training camp, balls out on special teams. You see him in the preseason game, and that was worth it in the coach's perspective and eyes that this guy's good enough at special teams. We can figure out mm -hmm. the quarterback stuff later throughout the season, but he adds that much value, like a Matthew Slater-esque, you know, for those great New England teams all those years. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's been kind of fun to watch this unfold old but especially sweet for Luke Brown for sure yeah no he's got to pat himself on the back today for sure still think they need to add to that room depth wise we'll see if that happens today I did some some deeper diving though on Thompson's special teams prowess played five college seasons at Georgia Southern um, for reference if you look at all the college football players that play special teams there's about 1500 to 2000 of them in division one that play a hundred or more special teams reps and a hundred or more, right? This isn't all of them. This is just, these are just the guys that play a lot of special teams. Najee Thompson in the majority of his college seasons was in the top 5% of PFF grades on special teams. That's the rarefied air that he inhabited. That's his niche. And he found that niche uh, with the Minnesota Vikings as well. We do have some breaking news this morning just uh, came out within the last half hour. Jalen Rager has been waived to make room for running back Miles Gaskin. So the first uh, change of the original 53 is a running back in, a wide receiver out. Reggie, your initial thoughts? You know what's been interesting is I've seen teams get more value for kickers than other position players over the last, like, 24 hours. <laughs> the news came out yesterday, oh, the Vikings are, are fielding trade offers for Jalen Rager. I think it was all smoke. I don't know that there was I any real offers on the table for Jalen Rager because – If you you'd just gotten wait. one, you would have taken it. Exactly, because you, you could have just waited, waited it out, and you probably would have got him anyway. It's It's been interesting, like – all these teams that are that have been trading for kick, I think we saw like three or four kicker trades yesterday. But like 
the position guys, you know, Jonathan Taylor didn't get moved. And then you think that somebody's going to give you something for Jalen Rager. I think it's, it's been, it's been kind of difficult. You know, they got, they got something for Vidarian low, which was, which was nice, but it's kind of tough when you see it, that when you see Ross Blacklock get, get cut, they, they made the trade for him last year. And then they, they made the trade for Jalen Rager in place of Amir Smith-Marset, who he just got traded from KC to Carolina yesterday as well. And so I think it's it's a, a interesting move. I think they were trying to hold on to the very last minute to see if something came through so they can get some type of value, but it obviously just didn't work out with that trade. And, you know, they, they kind of just cut their losses there. Um, he didn't have a terrible preseason, but when you think about all the other guys and the upside that they bring, I think it it just kind of made him the odd man out. Maybe this goes back to just how low our bar was set after last year, but um, I thought he looked vastly improved and more comfortable in the offense. But Reggie's right. Like at the end of the day, you can't keep everyone. You know, this is why we went this past week through all these roster projections, just trying to figure out where they were going to fit all these pieces to the puzzle, so to speak, on this 53-man roster. And Reggie mentioned it. I know there was rumors about being traded yesterday. I don't think anybody was holding their breath on that one. I mean, there's no way anybody was offering them anything more than a conditional 2027 seventh rounder or something like that. I think you boil it all down to the fact that Dwayne McBride didn't really work out. That was a bummer. So they had to go sign Miles Gaskin. That soaked up an extra roster spot. Probably even more importantly than that, they just felt like Nick Muse. What they saw from him was just too good to part ways with and hoped he didn't get sniped on the waivers. They didn't want to risk that. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. There was just no world that they were going to be able to keep four tight ends and six wide receivers just mm-hmm. given how this roster was constructed. So, um, yeah, it's a bummer. I think specifically the biggest bummer is that $2.4 million guaranteed on that rookie deal still. That's what I'm surprised about the most, personally, just knowing how much work and due diligence Quasi has put into this cap this offseason, trying to clean all that up. So that's kind of a lot to swallow. Pending, of course, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, Sam, but if he does get picked up off waivers, at least part of that contract will get soaked up by his new team. Not all of it but at least some of it. So, um, yeah, I think you got down to these last few days here, and I really thought between the money, the guaranteed money, $2.4 million, just him looking so much more comfortable in the offense, I really thought they would lean more Jalen Rager than Nick Muse, but that didn't end up being the case. Yep, I think Sam, it meets – yeah, go ahead. Sam, just real quick, um, this this is a very interesting move as well because you, you part ways with Jalen Rager – Okay, now you think about, okay, who's the punt returner? Okay, who's the kick returner? They they kept Brandon Powell. He has punt and kick return experience. You got Kane. Whatever this injury is with him, I'm not really sure what's going to happen. Does he end up on the pup or is he going to be ready to go for the season? But he's been your primary kick returner as well. Now you're going to have four running backs What's the, you know, like how does Ty Chandler fit in after you sign Miles Gaskin? There are a lot of questions now with some of these moves that they've made right now. Yeah, yeah. Let's dig into the running back situation and and we'll answer um, Ant1 and JJ18's question uh, get, asking for our thoughts on the Gaskin signing. Gaskin, to me, does feel like your number two. Um, 
he is very good in the receiving game. Running like efficiency stats in the run game aren't great. And you're not going to find anyone that blows you away. You know, they got waived or was just on the market. Uh, 3.8 yards per attempt career dealt with injuries most of last year, basically a wash of a 2022 for Gaskin. But if you look at his 2020 in particular, one of the most efficient pass-catching running backs in the NFL, he's got six receiving touchdowns as a running back, had the fourth best yards per route run as a running back in 2020, um, almost 10 yards per reception. So you like that a lot. You like a back that has prowess in the passing game. And I think that he's going to be your number two. I, I I just, for whatever reason, they weren't sold on Ty Chandler being that guy. I, it seemed like even after the, the good Seattle game, Kevin O'Connell was kind of tempering that. Um, people have been expecting Ken A to go to the pup or go to the IR, some kind of injury-related move. We don't know that. We don't know that that's happening. Maybe it still is, but we don't know that for sure. Um, I think that in the kick return game, I think you can find someone else if necessary. You you don't need to have Kane necessarily back there, but um, Luke, I'll, I'll defer to you. How, how do you think these backs now, this stable is going to get utilized? If you had a pie chart, how's it going to get split up now? If Gaskin is your true number two, like I think he is. I still think everything we've heard all off season is they really want to give Madison the bulk and finally give him his 15 minutes, so to speak, playing behind Delvin cook for so long. Um, I think he still ends up getting 75, 80% of the share. I still have a hard time thinking that they're going to bring in Gaskin and still not give Ty Chandler the first crack at RB2, mm. but I think it's just such a nice safety blanket. Like, I love the fit. I see the vision on this one. You know, you think about the slim pickings out there as far as what your options are in free agency. This dude's a super solid scat back. You mentioned some stats. This dude thrives in the passing game as well. And then the connection, too. I mean, he played under Flores for three years in Miami, so you got that connection there as far as you know what you're getting. You got someone in-house that you trust from a, a player evaluation standpoint that signed off on this guy and giving you the green light. Looked it up. He did lead the Dolphins, by the way, in rushing and back-to-back -back years. I think it was 2020 and 2021. Then he got shelved last year. New head coach comes in, obviously, with Mike McDaniels. Things always look a little bit different with a new head coach. He's caught over 100 balls in his career. He's only 26 years old, too, so he's got plenty of tread left on the tires. I still think Ty Chandler gets the first crack. That's just what my gut says from everything we've seen. But now that you got a veteran who's got this third-down pedigree, he's got some kick return experience as well, um, I think for those reasons, it, it makes a lot of sense why they would try to add a guy like this next to Madison and Ty Chandler, knowing, like Reggie said, Kenny's likely headed to the IR for a minimum four weeks. Um, it makes you feel a lot more comfortable about the group as a whole now with just some much-needed experience, I think, specifically in this passing game. And, and I think it it telegraphs year three of Kenny kind, kind of being left out of the plan. Yeah. Right? We've been begging for more Kenny for years, and now we're in a third year. I don't know where Kenny finds offensive reps. At least definitely in the passing game, as this third down guy we all assumed he would be. If he's going to make some money now, if he's going to make his hay, it might have to be on first and second down somehow, some way. Maybe Madison needs a breather, or he goes down for a few weeks. And or specifically, he's going to have to ball out on special teams again. You know, he's going to have to continue to stand out in a big way as that kick returner. But that's asking a lot for, for a guy who's clearly already starting the season banged up. Yeah. Uh, Dwayne McBride 
waived. Did not Crazy. work out. We'll see if he makes the practice squad, but they've got so many running backs on the roster. I don't know if that, that'll even happen. I, I, the vibes just were a little weird around McBride, even from the start. Like he he held out of some some OTAs because he hadn't signed his deal yet and missed reps there. Then he did you know, start doing the drills and seemed like he was struggling doing even the basic drills. And then in the game, he was not, you know, wasn't really seeing things very clearly. So it just never, Wes Phillips forgot his name at the podium one time. The vibes were just off with uh, with Dwayne McBride. And as much as I loved his stats in college, it, it didn't click in here in Minnesota. And they, they made that move. Um, so that's where we're at with Gaskin and the running backs. We'll get to more Twitter questions, including uh, six safeties on the roster and who is still likely to get uh, moved if they bring in someone else. We'll get into all of that next after a word from FanDuel. There's a wonderful new promotion at FanDuel. Actually, more like two new promotions. Here's the deal. New customers can wager $5 and get 200 back in bonus bets to use on whatever they want. They're bonus bets. FanDuel.com slash Lockdown to check out that promotion at America's number one sports book. Then all customers can wager $5 and get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket at YouTube or YouTube TV. That's the new home of NFL Sunday ticket. You can watch all the games and you can get $100 off that new package by betting five at FanDuel. They're an official partner of the NFL. Very easy to use. Great promotions going on all the time. No reason not to check out FanDuel. Make every moment more. All right, fellas. Um, let's get back to the Twitter questions from Swede School. With keeping six safeties on the roster, what skill sets and lineups are they most likely to use them for? So again, six safeties. That includes Jay Ward, fourth-round rookie, and Theo Jackson making it through the second-year you know, futures contract guy who lingered on the practice squad a little bit last year, kind of the not someone that we expected even two weeks ago, played his way onto this roster. Six safeties, Luke. What do you make of that? Yeah, this one was a big surprise. I think if they do make another roster move over the next 48 hours or so, it wouldn't surprise me to see Theo Jackson's one of those first names to get let go. I think as far as looking at Brian Flores and what he wants to do, the vision of 2023 so far, it's going to be a lot of nickel. It's going to be a lot of dime packages, and you're going to see a ton of three safety looks. And, you know, I posed this question to you about a month ago, Sam, when you were out at training camp. If Josh Metellus, who's carved out this very unique role here as this third safety, kind of a, a joker package, if you will, he's up at the line of scrimmage one play, he's playing deep center field the next play, he's in the slot covering as a cornerback. If you were to go down, who's the backup? Because that's a very unique role that you need a very specific skill set for. And you mentioned Theo Jackson um, could be that guy. So it seems like when you think about Brian Flores, his base defense, maybe shifting more from a 3-4 to a actual more of a, a nickel or a dime look. And then again, a lot of three safety packages and looks. And you look at the six safety specifically on this roster now, guys, all of them have versatility. All of them can be viewed as a free safety, a strong safety. Half of them, including guys like Jay Ward, can be looked at as a nickel cornerback. And there's more than just one nickel, too. There's the big nickel where it's more to stop the run, so to speak, on those short yardage situations. So you need guys who can do a little bit of everything. Clearly, though, Brian Flores only keeping five defensive linemen and keeping six safeties tells you that he's going to be in those nickel and dime looks quite a bit this 2023 season. 
Reg, your thoughts? Yeah, I thought it was interesting uh, when we saw in the last preseason game, Jay Ward coming through and boom, you know, mm -hmm. off the uh, off the edge. And I think that's kind of what we're going to look forward to seeing. As you said, look, keeping five defensive linemen and then all those safeties, I think he's kind of showing that, like, hey, if I want to get some pressure, I can get some pressure. And the guys in the in the defensive backfield are just a little bit faster than those guys up front. And so I think we're going to see some exotic things happen. Some of those guys in the back going to move up front a little bit and, and just going to disguise some coverages. And you're not going to know where guys are coming from. And that's the chaos of a Brian Flores defense. And so I think, you know, him keeping those six, I think we always talked about like, after they kind of made those moves to to kind of get younger and to get leaner on the defensive side, you know, letting go of some of the veterans and things like that earlier this year. I think we talked about how, you know, yeah, they might be middle of the pack defense, but this is kind of like the blueprint that we are kind of getting shown of how that's going to happen. You know, you got, you got some guys that are going to be coming from everywhere you got a lot of speed on the field, and I think that is what's going to be the hallmark of this defense this year. Yeah, we saw the dime look on a daily basis out of training camp, and very often that could include four safeties. Sometimes it'll be three corners, three safeties, but it might include Lewis Seen. He might be on the field in some clear uh, pass rush situations or some like third and, you know, third and 10, third and 12 situations where we'll see that fourth safety out there. But to Luke's point with the versatility, I mean, and, and Swede Skoll asked about this in the question. They do do different stuff. Like Harrison Smith does everything, right? He's floating around, disguising, blitzing. Cam Bynum, he's the deep guy. He's rarely in the box. Josh Metellus, he's only in the box. Uh, then you've got Scene, who is cross-trained to do both of them. Theo Jackson's more of a box guy. Jay Ward seems more like the deep and crash guy. Like they've got them all kind of practicing in these different roles. Some of them are exclusive. Some of them are cross-trained. Incredible versatility in that position group where they kind of are, like in many cases, that is your third cornerback. And that's maybe why they went light on corner, Luke. Only five cornerbacks. One of them, Najee Thompson, doesn't even play defense, really. Jay War, or sorry, um, Andrew Booth Jr., very injury prone. So thin at that position, but also you might not need to have a third corner on the field in a lot of packages. No, that's a great point here, Sam. Again, you can almost pull all these corners and safeties into one giant group and let Flores work his magic. Again, it's going to be very chaotic, like Reggie mentioned, but it, it gives Flores a lot of different options. And remember, we talked about this right when Brian Flores was hired. Flores' defense looks so much different week to week. It's all about what team, what offense you're playing that week. So he's going to dial up different game plans and really try to maximize each guy's skill sets, what they do best, and put those guys in the best positions to succeed. But it's going to look very different week to week, I think. And it just depends on, again, the strengths and weaknesses, for that matter, of uh, the opponent that you're facing. It's going to be interesting, though, Sam. I still have a hard time going to bed at night thinking they're only going to keep these five cornerbacks, knowing, like 
you mentioned, Najee Thompson really doesn't have any experience at cornerback as is, and Andrew Boot Jr. has just been so injury riddled. Uh, it's just too much of a passing league to make me feel comfortable about going into such a long 17-game season expecting all those guys to hold up. So it's going to be interesting. I still think, like I mentioned, if somebody were to get picked up, like a Duke Shelley for that matter, I think Theo Jackson likely is one of the first guys to get cut. Could happen. Uh, Kevin Mellick asking, are there any players you think the Vikings should target? There is a campaign already going on on Twitter to bring home Duke. They're not booing. They're duking. Duke Shelley cut from the Raiders. I'm all for it. I loved Duke Shelley. I love Duke Shelley. Present tense. Why not? Why not reunite him where he really belongs, where he was loved, where he was appreciated? He's sticky in coverage. He's the Duke. I love the Duke. Reggie, why not bring back the Duke? You know, I'm for it. Uh, and he seems like the type of guy that has the type of style that would fit in a Brian Flores defense. He could take some chances. He can rush off the edge. He's a, a sticky, as you said, corner who could play some good man. And, and really kind of take some chances, sometimes maybe a boom or bust uh, type of a, a cornerback. But he came in in a pinch when they really needed somebody last year, and he played well. And it was very surprising, really, to see that he didn't stick in Vegas with the Raiders. I'm like, okay, what, what else do you need to see from the guy? And so um, I, I was very surprised by that. But, yeah, why not bring him back? I think especially when you talk about not – uh, keeping more than five corners on this roster already, like I think that could be something that that could really help the this Vikings defense and add some depth. And remember too, everybody assumed, oh my gosh, this guy's small. He must be a nickel inside cornerback. When he excelled and made the most plays last year for the Vikings, it was on the boundary. It was on the outside. And I think you look at this deep group of safeties. A lot of them are these hybrid nickel cornerbacks like a Jay Ward that still really doesn't give you a lot of help on the boundary outside. We know they want to move Byron Murphy inside in the nickel quite a bit this year as well. Who's your big body boundary guys? Now, this guy's not a big body dude, but he surely can hold his own against big bodied receivers on the outside. So I think that fit makes a lot of sense just with what the Vikings are lacking specifically in the secondary right now on the boundary. Um, number one. And this is all PFF-based. PFF liked him in the Raiders preseason. It's not like he tanked when he played the games, 77 snaps. Also, let me remind you, top coverage grades last year in the NFL. Sauce Gardner, Patrick Sertain, Duke Shelley. Stats don't lie. Come on. Stats guys. don't lie. Come on. Put him in the hall. I'm Where's his gold jacket? Let's go. Number three coverage grade in the NFL last that year. That is hilarious, man. Yeah. Ed yeah. Donatel knew what he was doing. We were all wrong. Uh, yeah. Darius Rush, Sam, I don't know if you saw that one. He was another uh, draft crush of both of ours there for a while. Yes. South Carolina cornerback, uh, big body dude, explosive, ran in the four threes at the combine, outstanding, yep. killed Indy, balled out at the senior bowl as well. Really surprised he was cut already. Uh, would love to see the Vikings throw a waiver in for him as well. Get another young bodied guy in here to learn under Brian Flores and such a defensive mastermind. I think that'd be great. Um, UDFAs yesterday, I would say, were a big winner for the Vikings. And it came at the expense of one of my favorites, Luigi Villain, who was waived in favor of Andre Carter sticking around. So Andre Carter makes it. Ivan Pace 
definitely made it. And uh, Najee Thompson makes it as well as a special teamer. Reggie, any surprise about the Andre Carter move in particular? Because I thought that Villain outplayed him in the preseason. Yeah, I think maybe they liked Carter's upside a little bit more. Um, and look, I think Villain, if he clears waivers, I'm I'm sure he's a big candidate to go to the practice squad. I think they like him a lot. You know, they liked him enough to keep him last year. So. It's it's interesting. I think you know Carter had some had some high upside, and they thought that he could be someone who could contribute. And we'll see how they kind of mix them in this upcoming season. Yeah, I think when they shelled out that crazy unheard signing bonus for a UDFA, it may have already decided his fate, no matter what he did. Because, like Reggie said, it wasn't so much about these first three, four, five months. Does he look the part of a rosterable player? It's about the upside. It's about the the traits that you can't coach. Right, six foot six, super long, lanky, just needs to fill up that frame a little bit. Has to add some bulk, some strength, things like that. But you give him the time to develop. And apparently the Vikings were more than willing to do that. So, yeah, it was a surprise when you see a guy right next to him, like Luigi Villain, who's looked super solid all camp and preseason. But I think, again, maybe the decision was made up uh, well before camp. Who knows when they shelled out that massive record-breaking signing bonus for him. Usually the market dictates how these things look in retrospect. If Luigi Villain gets picked up and like T.Y. McGill becomes a, a key rotational piece on a good team, doesn't look great, but more often than not, these guys that we kind of fall in love with were too close to the situation. They get waved and they kind of disappear. They float around and then we never hear from them again. We'll see what happens with Luigi, who I thought put together a really nice preseason. Uh, we'll, we'll keep an eye on that. And maybe the practice squad is his eventual home. I, I think that it's it's funny that every single guy that gets cut, the the the, the report is, so-and-so waived, but there's practice squad interest. So we'll probably see a lot of these guys circling back, the Thayer Thomases, the Tristan Jacksons. Um, and we did get a question, too, from, I think it was Jay Thomas, um, wondering who else is on the bubble for the Vikings? Who's vulnerable? Luke, you speculated that Theo Jackson, you think, is vulnerable. Um, anybody else that you think could be kind of on the outs if they bring in help elsewhere? I think maybe Jonathan Bullard, I guess. It feels like they wanted at least one veteran on that defensive line. Jonathan Bullard certainly can be that guy. He shows a little bit more pass rush prowess than some of these other guys like Tonga and Dean Laurie. But you go up and down the whole roster here, Sam. I think guys that we went into camp thinking probably bubble guys, 50-50 they make it have kind of dug their heels into this roster a little bit more, like a Brandon Powell. I mean, they need him as that fifth receiver and punt return guy right now. Nick Muse, clearly, uh, they've just loved his progression development from last year to this year, and he's a Quasi KOC pick, seventh rounder from last year. You know, you're not going to cut Jaron Hall, even though he's a third quarterback. You just can't do it. Andre Carter, clearly they've dug their heels in with him as well. So outside of Theo Jackson, man, it's kind of tough. Again, if, if they were willing to keep Najee Thompson – because they love him so much on special teams, I highly doubt that they're willing to cut him for somebody right. else who's out on the waiver right now. But Jonathan Bullard, I guess, if I had to pick one. But it, it feels like slim pickings right now when you look up and down the roster. Yeah, maybe Nick Muse is uh, is one of those couple guys that could be waived. Um, but And then you look at the running back position, too. We talked about Kenny might be a little redundant now. Maybe one of them would be in jeopardy. But it, there aren't too many that are glaringly 
on the bubble here on this roster. So we'll keep an eye today. And again, I think I think cornerback is certainly a must. Um, you got to add more help there. And maybe well, and off. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just saying, Reggie asked a great question earlier. Who is the kick returner with Ken A out right now? I mean, Ty Chandler, is that the guy? Does Brandon Powell uh, enter that conversation here soon as well? I mean, Miles Gaskin. <laughs> it's a great question because they used uh, Aaron Dykes in one game who's gone. Right. And they right. use McBride in one game who's gone. Yeah, Miles Gaskin has two kick returns, I believe, on his resume. So better than nothing, you know, he can do it. But again, I mean, with Kenny out these first four weeks, who's the guy? Ty Chandler. And maybe that was also part in their thought process here, knowing that, okay, we're not going to have our number one kick returner for at least four weeks. That means Ty Chandler steps into that role. Now we got our backup RB2, Ty Chandler working on special teams and kick return, we better bring in another running back body right now that offers, you know, also some versatility on special teams, but just to have another body that we can trust as that RB2. Um, and if they don't love their kick return situation, put anybody they want back there, have them take a fair catch. They you don't go. need to return it. There you go. Start at the 25. Yeah. Just don't put, fumble. Put Sam Ekstrom back there. Anybody. anybody I, uh, you know, I once thought, that I could feel the punt or a kick. And then I watched Ryan Wright on that super windy day kicking like 30-yard draws through the air that were literally uncatchable to a human being. There's no chance. I no longer think I could do it. Maybe a kickoff, not a punt. I will say my first year covering Vikings training camp 2014 go to Mankato and near the end of practice you see guys like Marcus Sherrills and everybody else fielding those punts out of the jug gun and it looks way way easier on TV let me just put it that way <laughs> it, it is not a simple task whatsoever and that's coming out of the gun there I can't imagine with the spin and the wind and everything else all those different yeah. factors playing outside in December when it's rainy and cold and windy they make it look a lot easier on TV I'll just say that you're right Sam. I mean th think about some of these guys that they've tried to have return punts I mean KJ Osborne great football player terrible at returning punts they are yeah. Thomas you know, good young receiver, terrible at returning, catching punts, like just a really, really hard skill. That's why Marcus Sherrill's we took for granted. Reggie Wilson uh, at Reggie Wilson TV. What's going on at Care 11 tonight? Uh, I will say uh, before that, uh, I remember yeah. growing up uh, watching. I was a St. Louis Rams fan. And do you guys remember Oz Hakeem? Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the most four. electric, yeah. the most electric return man ever. But, man, that dude could fumble a punt. Oh, my goodness. He could fumble <laughs> a punt, and he cost the Rams a couple games, mm -hmm. a couple of important games, too, doing that. And we would just be so upset because when he did feel the punt, you were like, oh, man, he could go all the way with this one. But then if he didn't, you're like, oh, shoot. Like, this dude is – this dude – we hate this dude. Like It's a love-hate relationship. Yeah, but – it, it it was it was interesting, but yeah, it's just as you kind of cover these games, you you kind of see like just how hard it is to do things like that, and why some of the people who you think would just be natural like guys to do it, you know, I know we were kind of seeing people crack on Amir Smith Marset doing it, and they felt like they needed to upgrade a Jalen Rager last year, 
because of that. And you're like, well, it's, it's a lot harder than it looks. So. <laughs> and then they bring in Raker, and Raker wasn't even that great at it. He was fine. Yeah. He wasn't that great it's a, it. That's a tough job, man. Tough but, spot. I mean, as far as fielding punts, I think, you know, we've seen it happen at the bank before, but Brandon Powell seems like the most likely option back there mm-hmm. because he has done it, and he has done it as a, at a high level with uh, touchdowns in his in his back pocket doing that. One particularly at the bank to put the the Vikings away um, right at Christmas. So yeah, uh, and but, one one other point on this. Do you remember when the Vikings just put out Randy Moss to return punts? Oh, and he Chiefs game. It, it's like, oh, let's put out Randy Moss because we we need a big play. He returns it for a touchdown. Yeah, <laughs> in, in that Chiefs game in what, yeah, Monday night 2000? football. I yeah. want to say Sunday night or Monday night prime time. Remember listening on the radio and listening to PA, and I'm like, oh, Randy Moss is back there. Unbelievable. Hands, yeah, man. it's crazy. It Get also reminds hands. me of, of at Soldier Field, Adrian Peterson's rookie year, 2007. Yeah, uh, needed it, even though he already gave you three touchdowns. Still, mm-hmm. you needed it at the end. You put him back there at kick return, takes it all the way up to the Bears' 40-yard line, 60 yards. Unbelievable. Yeah. Sets up Ryan Longwell's game-winning field goal. Uh, AP literally single-handedly won the Vikings that game. That was awesome. That was awesome. All um, right, back to what you actually asked me about, though. Care uh, 11. Yeah, we're at the fair today again uh, through the 6 o'clock news. Uh, ben Johnson, Gophers head basketball coach, making his way to the fair today. Uh, so we'll be catching up with him a little bit, uh, talking a little bit more Vikings, a little bit of Twins. Uh, Ant had a, a game-high 22 points for Team USA in their absolute blowout win of Jordan today. So we'll talk about that as well. Just a lot of stuff going on. Loons in action tonight as well. It's a lot going on. Favorite Love thing it. you've eaten at the fair so far, Reg? Number you one. You know what? I picked the wrong time to start cutting back on oh things. Because after my now. birthday trip, I was like, okay, I gotta, I gotta do something. Um, let's see, what have I had? Since, funny enough, the only thing that I've really had since I've been out there um, is a euro. Hey, euros <laughs> are solid, man. I don't, good, I don't that, but that's not like your traditional. That's not your, your, your Reggie's. Meat. Like, hey, do you have a Cobb salad that I could have instead of the corn dog? Yeah, dressing exactly. on the side, please. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, maybe, I've, maybe, I've been uh, cutting back. Yesterday, we had uh, we had because uh, Bridgman's come on, and uh, they had the yep. beasting Sunday, which was uh, vanilla ice cream, uh, Mike's hot honey. And mm. spicy peanuts, mm. and they were tearing it up. They said it was absolutely delicious yesterday. You didn't get I in on that, Red. I didn't, didn't get in. I didn't oh, get in. Man, man, no the discipline nope. of this man. Wow, the discipline. Bless your heart. Unbelievable. Uh, lobster fries. That was my go-to when we went lobster fries. Unbelievable. Really good. That was my number one. Sam, you haven't my, been out there yet. Getting my fair fix tonight. I'll, I'll report back on how that goes. Love it. Looking forward to it. Uh, Luke Inman at Luke underscore Spinman. Reggie Wilson, Care Eleven at Reggie Wilson TV, and I'm Sam Ekstrom. Arif Hassan and Luke Braun join tomorrow. We should have a Ron Johnson appearance as well. I'm sure he'll be excited to talk a little Gophers on the Minnesota Football Party. Until then, have a wonderful, wonderful Wednesday. Be blessed. Spread love.